World's Finest Podcast, Episode 62. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello. Uh, what's been going on with you? Because I've been pretty busy lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, besides uh, keeping Earth 2 up and running, I got nothing to report. You know, I'm good. Nothing to complain about, I guess. I've been hella busy lately, but... Well, yeah, most... you're back in school, and I'm sure work's going full force, so... But I've been writing more lately, which is really, really nice. I've... Oh, that's right, yeah, we have uh, a Tranquil Tirades of yours coming up this week. Uh, of course, this episode of WFP will hit on Wednesday, as always, um, but then I think it's Thursday or Friday, I'd have to look at the schedule, I think Thursday, we have a Tranquil Tirades from you about the final destination, don't we? Yeah, something that could loosely be called a movie. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, I, uh, I've started writing sports columns again, oh, and, good. which I haven't done in forever, and uh, to our listeners, if you like pro football, um, you can read my uh, weekly game-by-game predictions at uh, www.sportsoratory.com. It's uh, sports, O-R-A-T-O-R-Y.com. And, uh, yeah, so far in uh, week one of the NFL season, I've only gotten two games wrong, oh, so wow. I'm off to a fast start. <laughs> Which ones did you get wrong? Uh, the Arizona-San Francisco game mm-hmm. and uh, what the hell? I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, the New York, the Jets-Houston game. But other than that, got everyone right. Oh, awesome, awesome. Start betting, sir, start betting. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you'd start getting them wrong, of course. Of course. Yes. Um, We should say that we don't have any emails to read in this episode. Uh, We did get one from, uh, if I remember correctly, it was from Tim, uh, that I would read on the air, but a lot of it spoils a lot of what's been happening in Smallville. And I know some of our listeners watch Smallville, but not episode to episode, but when it's not, once it hits DVD. So I don't want to ruin anything for them. So, yeah, sorry, Tim, we're just not going to read that one on the air. Before we get into the episodes today, um, I just want to thank uh, everybody who did uh, donate. If you didn't listen to episode 61, uh, James and I, we put out a little call. We said, you know, we realize that the audio quality of uh, recent episodes of WFP hasn't been exactly where it should be. And we said, uh, you know, we, we, we really want to correct this, but to do so, we, you know, like I personally would need like a new computer, like a high-end computer, really, that, that could handle the amount of uh, wear and tear in terms of podcasting and editing podcasts that I put it through. Uh, also, uh, some better recording software, some better mics, things like that. And we said, you know what, <laughs> we can't afford this. Um, so uh, we put it out to you guys, and of course we said, you know, if if you want to help us better World's Finest Podcasts, and really all of the Earth2.net podcasts, then um, at least all the ones that I record, because like Des does his on his own, Kellen does his on his own, Ian and Adam, you know, and uh, Tom and Derek, they do theirs. But like half of the Earth2 podcasts feature my voice, you know, so okay, it would help out half of the podcasts on Earth2.net. Um 
you know, I said, you know, you guys would have to uh, help us uh, financially with that. You'd have to uh, donate by going to uh, earth2.net slash donations, earth-number2.net slash donations, or worldsfinestpodcast.com slash donations. Um, and uh, just click the button on there, and uh, that would take you to a PayPal page, and you could donate. And uh, we got a couple of donations. Uh, so... You know, we're, we're, we're building up. We're slowly building up. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just want to put the call out there again. Uh, for, well, first I want to say thank you to everybody that did donate. But yeah, then I want to put that call out there again and say, you know, you know, this, this is an ongoing thing. So if you guys can donate even as little as like five bucks to help us, you know, get the equipment we need to better these shows, which definitely include WFP, please do. Richie, this is too much. You're right. The rear boosters must be overpowered. No, man, not the skates. You. What do you mean? The robot, the zap caps, all this stuff. See, all of a sudden, you're Brainiac the Maniac. So I'm a little smarter than most people. What's a big deal? A little? The Department of Defense couldn't think up most of this stuff. Well, they don't have to. I already thought it up for them. Focus, Richie. Remember when you said your head felt like it was on fire? Well, maybe you were right, because something's really cooking up there. I do feel different lately. I think faster. A lot faster. Sometimes I can't stop thinking. Sometimes it's like my thoughts are thinking thoughts. See, I just thought that. It's like ideas are exploding in my head. Does it look bigger? It does, doesn't it? Cranial perimeter is definitely expanding. Oh, no. You look fine. Fine? I'm having some kind of strain on the brain breakdown. I could be going crazy. I... Rich, you know what I think? I think maybe you're becoming a bang baby. First up today is Gear, and this one uh, starts off with Richie calling Static to their gas station hideout place, and he's demonstrating his new toy, a scouting robot called Backpack that uh, he can project his voice through, among many other abilities. Uh, it has a scope for spying purposes and all kinds of other stuff that will slowly come to uh, light as the episodes move on. Um, but he showcases uh, this backpack thing and a bunch of other things he's been building because he's been on cu- quite a tear lately, it seems. Uh, so Static heads off after hearing a police band emergency, which happens to be the breakout of Ebon and the Metabreed. Well, after a brief fight, the breed all split up, but Ebon ends up running into Richie, literally, in an alley. Uh, and he he attempts to kidnap Richie, but Static intervenes. And later, uh, Ivan sends the breed off to find Richie since he knows he has to be in cahoots with Static since they're, he, he remembers seeing them together at least once or twice before. Um, the next day in calculus, I think it was calculus class, it was some ridiculous high-level math class, um, Richie solves this hideously difficult math problem that's on the, uh, on the blackboard really within like four seconds. He just looks at it and it, he, can, he solves it. <laughs> and uh, later, Richie and Virgil are at the hideout again. And Richie's latest creation, some jet-powered skates, go out of control and start flying all over the room. And it's at this point that Virgil realizes that Richie's intelligence is ridiculously higher than normal, and he calls him on it. And Richie says he does feel strange lately. He He's going a little crazy, almost, and he feels his brain going at just super speed. So Virgil poses the theory that Richie has become a bang baby uh, uh, through, like, just mi- a minute exposure to it when static or when you know virtual was first exposed to it so it's kind of slowly built his intelligence up over time well meanwhile talon uh is showing ebon a video of richie with virgil and they decide that they might as well see if virgil could be static so they head off to get him and richie 
in the meantime, is actually kind of depressed about his uh, revelation because he wonders why he couldn't have gotten a cool superpower like super strength or uh, laser vision. <laughs> so um, Ebon and the gang show up, and they kidnap Virgil, and Richie is left to try and rescue him. So he makes this makeshift suit up of his own technology to try and find the Metabreed and rescue Virgil. Um, so he makes his way to their hideout uh, in spite of his rocket skates, flinging them all over the place. And he actually does take out the Metabreed one by one. He kind of accidentally takes out Talon. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then he, he actually does hold his own uh, trap, the other two. Uh, Virgil is being watched by Ebon uh, uh, through a camera to see if he'll reveal a secret and use his powers to escape this holding cell he's in. Uh, so Richie arrives and uses his new backpack robot to change the camera to loops a la speed. <laughs> um, and Richie brings Virgil his hero costume, and they proceed to take out the breed with relative ease. And after this, uh, Richie shows off his new costume of sorts, and uh, Richie decides his new hero handle is going to be gear. And then they go off to fight Francis F-Stop Fire Flamey Flame Burnout Guy, uh, who is apparently on a rampage. And that's where it ends. What were you thinking? This was a really solid Richie episode, I think. Wasn't it, though? This was a damn good episode. I honestly feel like this is the first episode of Static that wasn't a social commentary that I could just sit down and watch. Like, I could, seriously, I could pop this one in and, you know, just grab a sandwich and just enjoy myself. Put my feet up on the table and and just watch Richie grow as a character. Because uh, what I like here is that, okay, it, it is only a, whatever, a 20-minute episode. But I didn't feel like they rushed his transition from Richie to Gear. In the episode. Remember, way back when, I think I kind of griped that Virgil went from static way too quickly. That all of a sudden he just knew how to use his powers. But here, you know, they've been building Richie up, of course, to this point, to this episode. But in this episode itself, it starts out with him just going, you know, he's invented something else. I think what was the first, not only did he invent backpack, but he uh, souped up the zap caps. Yeah. And he put little cables in them. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's souped this other thing up and he's created this computerized backpack. And he says, you know, I feel like my brain's on fire. And they, they keep building off of that. And, you know, it's not like he ever truly intends to become a superhero. It just gets to the point where he's invented all these things that he has to become a superhero to save his best friend who has saved him countless times. It really felt like a natural A to B to C series of events it never once felt like force like we have to get richie in costume how are we going to do it okay here we go grab the shoehorn because we don't know how to do it otherwise no 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 it was there was none of that this was so damn good so damn good what about you i'm gushing here i i couldn't say it any better myself uh and i loved it he, he was only in the costume for what like 60 seconds the last 60 seconds of the episode yeah yeah i mean he was still in mostly his street clothes when he was taking out the Metabreed one by one by one. I was kind of worried that you might be upset that Richie was taking out the Metabreed, but I'm glad that you don't seem like you are, because I could buy Richie taking him out, because the Metabreed aren't exactly the brightest bunch around. Right, yeah, no, they're still the toughest group of foes that uh, Static has to face. 
And the reason I don't mind Richie, an inexperienced superhero, taking them out is twofold. One, Virgil has told him stories after story after story about how he's taken out the Metabreed, so he knows their strengths and weaknesses. The second thing is, he didn't have to just jump into the fray and beat them all up at the same time. He flew into Talon and knocked her out. He uh, threw the zap cap around uh, the, what's his name, Kangor. Kangor. Right. He then hid behind a curtain and tricked uh, Shiv into thinking he was there, and then he jumped him from behind, and he never got his hands on Ebon, if I remember correctly. I think Static took out Ebon. Had Richie taken out Ebon, then I would have been like, I don't know about this, because that guy gives Static trouble, and Static's fought him several times at this point. So, yeah, Richie knew to stay away from him. He knew to play with Ebon's mind by looping the video, getting Static out of the cell, letting Static deal with that. Um, so, yeah, no, it totally worked for me. Absolutely. You know, even though it, the, the whole camera looping has been done before in speed, at least when they figure out the secret identity, no one lost their memory here. Yeah, yeah, they... I know, mean, they didn't, they didn't, you know, completely figure it out. But, you know, they were within, you know, a hair of, of, you know, figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, they they realized that, okay, Richie hangs around with the static guy. And S- Virgil has the same haircut, the same uh, general build. He's the same height, the same age. That's probably him. So they kidnap him. And then they wait for him to see if he'll do his static stuff. I got a little issue with that, but I'll get back to that in a second, you know? And he realizes he's being watched, so he doesn't do his static thing, you know? And then at the end, you know, Ebon looks at the screen. He thinks he sees Virgil locked up. He sees static standing there, and he's like, I guess we were wrong. Okay, let's just move on from there. I know, he's like, ah, so we got the wrong guy. We're still going to kill you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now, my gripe with that, though, is... I'm not sure the Metabreed, especially Ebon and Shiv, if you want the truth, are the type that would throw someone in a padded room and patiently wait to see if they'll use their superpowers, thus exposing themselves. Those two seem like they'd be the type that would torture a motherfucker. Okay, granted, we can't have torture on this show, but, you know, beat him up, uh... Just anything to to see if he would use his power. So that's the only thing that just did not quite sit right with me here. But still, the rest of the episode's so good, I can overlook it. Furthering on that, I can see them just killing Virgil for the hell of it. Hey, if he was static, he's gone. He's out of our hair forever. And if he wasn't, who cares? Right, exactly. These these are some really tough dudes in this gang. Um, Especially Shiv. Yeah, Shiv's just... He's psycho. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I said it was Shiv and Ebon would be the two that would beat him up or torture him. You're right. They would just really be like, we think you're static. Boom. Knife to the head. You know? (laughs) And it's over. Yeah. And then if static shows up a week later, whoops, we killed a kid. If he doesn't show up, hey, we got static. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I noticed that uh, Kangor still had his goofy theme so this one was kind of different than the last one. Was it? I, I must have been blocking yeah. it out. So now he has two theme themes. <laughs> and, okay, I guess with the forms, people were saying he's supposed to be Jamaican? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see his accent being Jamaican. I can't. I really do. I, I, I don't disagree with that. But his name is Kangor. And, yeah, and he's got the big feet and whatnot. I, I, I don't know what they're doing there with him. I'm... 
I'm insisting he's Australian, and whoever voiced him, for whatever weird reason, gave him a slightly Jamaican accent. He's such a crap character, though. I mean, it's like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking of the gear costume? Because I'm not sure I was digging it. When I first saw it at the end of this episode, and of course I've seen it before, you know, in little clips here and there. I think they even feature it in the opening credits now. Uh, so it wasn't totally new to me. But when I saw it at the end of this episode, I was like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I kind of, it, it grew on me, let's say that, by the, you know, by the time we got done talk, uh, reviewing all five of these episodes that we're going to be speaking about today. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best costume in the world. Um, but I will say it's more superhero costume than Virgil's. True. I mean, you know, we've commented in the past that, you know, I like Virgil's new costume. It does seem more superhero-y than his previous one. But yeah, Richie seems a little more, a little more superheroic to me. It feels sort of nine, like late nineties-ish. Um, it feels like a product of its time, but yeah, it's, it's okay. What about you? Oh, like I said, I didn't know. I really didn't know if I was liking it or not. I kind of was not liking it, but I can see what you're saying there. So, I, it probably it'll probably grow on me too because I wasn't noticing it so much in the other episodes uh, that we're going to review today. Yeah, the only thing about his costume that I kind of raise my eyebrow at is okay, he's got this bicycle helmet on, and that's what I like about his costume. It's a very practical costume. It seems like stuff you could just go and buy, but when you put it together, maybe it's a superhero costume. But So he's got this bicycle helmet on, and the faceplate has this green tint, but then over his eyes, there's another darker green tint. Like, I've never seen a bicycle helmet that has two screens on it like that. I, I, I don't understand what the, what's up with that. It's a you cool design. It's a cool look. one on there? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I just, I just don't get it, but it's a good look, so I'll give it to him. I did like the ending, though, when they were trying to figure out a nickname, or not a nickname, a code name. For Richie, and he's like, how about hardware? And Static sort of looks off and he's like, I think somebody's using that. Because that's a (laughs) reference to, you know, another milestone character, which of course Static originated as. So that was a cool little nod there. And then I think Richie even then throws out Steel. Yeah. I could swear he threw out Steel. And then Static just sort of is like, uh. And then he's like, well, I got all this gear instead. It's like, there you go. It seemed like a good way to get to the name. It's kind of a dumb name, if you want the truth, but. It was a good way that they got to it. And something we've been saying about Static, you know, it seems like every time we speak about these episodes, this comes up. Again, finding new ways to use his superpowers. I don't think we've seen him do this before, but when he went down into the sewer to try to chase Ebon uh, about uh, at, the, at the start of the episode, he lit up his hands and used them as flashlights. I don't remember him doing that before, has he? Um, I think he did in our last batch of episodes for episode 61. Okay. I'm I'm almost positive he did, but I can't remember the episode off the top of my head. But that's still really neat, you know, lighting up his hands and just projecting out the energy into little light beams. I thought it was kind of cool. Doctor? Virgil, sit down and join me. Would you like some foo-foo? My treat. Uh, looks good, but I think I'll pass. I was just wondering, what did Asaba take from you? A map of ancient Kumasi, home of the great Ashanti nation. I believe I've found the location of a long-lost palace. A palace? In Ghana? Oh, yes. The Ashanti were talented goldsmiths. The palace might have artifacts worth millions if it were accessible. What do you mean? According to the map, 
It lies at the bottom of the largest man-made lake in the world. Lake Volta? A lake won't stop, Osiris. A Nazi. I regret to report that I have lost Osiris' trail, Doctor. I fear I have no way to find him. Uh, actually, you do. Can you keep a secret? Next up is Static in Africa. In this one, Pops is taking Virgil and Sharon to Africa uh, because it's a trip that he and, you know, his deceased wife had always wanted to take with their kids. And they started saving, like, ages ago so they could do this. And even though his wife, their mother, has since passed away, he still wants to honor her wishes and take their kids to Africa. So that's what he's doing here. And uh, when they get there, they're on this train, and they meet this scientist fellow, or an archaeologist or something, I don't remember what he is, and uh, they start talking to him, and uh, he's got this uh, briefcase with this sensitive information in it, and uh, it turns out what he has in there is like uh, maps and data leading to like a lost city that's full of gold, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, while they're talking, uh, this leopard-like guy uh, uh, boards the train, and uh, his name is Osobo. If I'm, is, am I pronouncing that right, Osobo? Um, Osobo? I cannot I remember think. off the top of my head. I, I know that's his name, name, but I don't remember if that's the pronunciation. So pardon me if I'm getting it wrong. But, uh, yeah, he boards the train, and he tries to steal this briefcase from this older gentleman. And uh, before Virgil can really jump in the fray and stop him, uh, this, this other guy uh, makes himself known. And he is very much dressed like Zorro. But uh, he's got a spider motif, so he calls himself a Nancy. And uh, not only is he a great hand-to-hand fighter, but he's a good stick fighter. And he also has this superpower um, of illusion. He can make you see anything he wants you to see. Uh, so uh, this fight goes on for a good long while. And uh, at the end of it, uh, Osobo, he, he's able to grab the briefcase and he flees the train, uh, jumps into a helicopter, and he tells some of his henchmen who made it to the engine to uh, basically destroy the train. And what they do is they set it off on a different path, you know, how trains, you know, they, they, they fork. Um, he, he, they send it off in this direction that's, gunning, that's going to uh, send it careening off a cliff. Well, uh, Anansi ends up in the... Uh, in the not the engine room, but you all know what I mean. Yeah, he's pulling on the brake, and uh, Static, when no one's looking, or Virgil, I should say, when no one's looking, he uses his power to, I'm guessing he's magnetizing the wheels, uh, and together they're able to stop this train. Oh, before Osobo leaves, uh, Virgil is able to actually throw uh, one of his tracking devices on his leg or whatever, and uh, so later on, uh, Virgil's talking to the scientist fellow, or the, the archaeologist, whatever he is, and uh, he's saying, you know, what was in there, and this is we find out what was in the briefcase. And uh, Anansi shows up, and he's like, I, I want to help you get your, your stuff back, man, but I, I don't know what to, t- I, I don't know how to track them down. And Virgil stands up, and he's like, can you keep a secret? So he reveals to him that he's static, and that he put a tracking device on there, but he says that battery is going to be running low very, very soon, and I'm the only one that can actually um, track it, so we have to team up. So they team up to go find these guys, and it turns out that uh, this lost city is buried uh, in this in this lake bed. Uh, so the only way to get to it is to uh, destroy the dam. Uh, but in so doing, it would flood a neighboring uh, city, uh, just destroying thousands of homes, potentially killing Lord knows how many people. 
Um, so Static and Anansi, they team up to stop uh, Osobo and his men from destroying the dam. And at the end of the day, uh, Static, uh, he confides in Anansi. He says, you know, it, it's really great to see uh, uh, a black superhero that I can look up to because he's like, we don't have a lot of those in the States. And Anansi, he says two things. First, he says heroes come in uh, many colors. And he also says that it does appear that the United States has a black superhero that they can look up to. And Virgil smiles at that. And that's pretty much how the episode ends. So, James, what were you thinking about this one? Uh, it was solid. They clearly did a ton of research for this episode. Honestly. How so? Uh, Ashanti culture. Because that's mm, what this okay. whole episode is about. Right. Like, Anansi, Anansi the spider is a very famous folklore legend. Right. And actually, I remember reading about it in... Uh, in a uh, world literature class a few years ago in whatever my 106th, 107th year of college, whichever <laughs> one it was. Um, yeah, yeah I, I do remember reading about that. So that was that was really cool. I, and I love I loved his design, the Zoro. Yeah, very it was like cool. Zorro's, Zorro and Spider-Man put together, and even Static even makes a joke about him. Hey, make a, make a, shoot some webs or whatever. Yeah, and he does the Spider-Man finger thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I'm not that kind of spider. <laughs> but he ends up making some kind of weird web anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, so, yeah, I uh, I appreciate that, uh, or this episode for that, because it was clear that they they really did a lot of research for uh, making this episode. Um, but what about you? I like this one a lot. At first, I was a little like, I don't know, just seeing the title. I'm like, how are they going to justify static being in Africa, but they did a good job of it by Pops explaining that they had been planning this trip since pretty much before the kids were born. It isn't just something that came right out of the blue, like, hey, kids, let's 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 go to another continent, you know? It's like, yeah. no, this, this is something that they were going to do, and it's sad that the mom isn't there, but it's also happy because Pops gets to experience this with his children. Um, so that was neat. But, you know, my biggest gripe with this one really is I don't buy Virgil bringing his costume and his gear with him. Yeah, that one kind of made me scratch my head, too. Yeah, he's not Bruce Wayne. He's not Clark Kent, who is almost always on the job. You know, he's still a young boy, and if he's going to get a chance to take a vacation, he's going to take that vacation, and he's going to leave his stuff behind. So, yeah, that just was not working for me at all all um i mean once you get past that it's still a good episode but for me that was definitely worth knocking it down at least a point you know a way they could have gotten around that is just by having a a, a nancy uh make an illusion or illusory costume. yeah i didn't even think about that that's a great idea you know because i could buy static having or virgil i should say having one of the tracers in his pocket like oh whoops i forgot to take this out of my pocket back home you know what i'm saying but that he packed his whole costume, I, I just, I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around that one. But I like your idea about a Nancy making a, a costume for him. You know, a Mirage-like costume. That's cool. Um, this this next thing I'm going to say, I'm not holding it against the episode at all. I'm just stating what I'm about to say as a matter of fact, okay? And that matter of fact is, not only am I white, I'm also 31 years old. I'm not a young black man. And a good portion of this episode is Static revealing that he feels like an outsider in America because he's not just a kid, a teenager. 
he's he's a black kid, a black teenager. But here in Africa, he doesn't see himself that way. He can just be a kid, a teenager. And, you know, he he asks Richie, he's like, is this how you feel all the time? And Richie's just like, yeah. Because, you know, Richie doesn't get that, that's, that, that Virgil feels otherwise. So it didn't connect with me on that level because it wasn't meant to connect with me, a 31-year-old white man on that level. But I still think it was powerful. I don't ever feel like it was crammed down our throats. Um, so I actually feel kind of sad that I can't experience the episode on that level. But, you know, I, I, I'd really like to put a call out to any of our uh, listeners who are black, um, be, be it if they're young or, you know, maybe they're, they're, you know, my age or your age, James. Um, and see if this episode connected with them on that level. So, yeah, definitely write in and let us know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in regards to Nancy, was he voiced by uh, John Jones, the Martian Manhunter? It sounded like yeah. him. Okay. Yeah, Carl Lovely. Okay, I thought so. And, and Osebo was voiced by Michael Jai White. Woo! Ah, that's, that's Spawn, isn't it? Yeah, cool. Among many, many, many other comic book voices. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing about this one that kind of bugged me. You know, not not to the point where I knocked a point off of it or anything, but I wasn't so keen on Sharon just going around shopping. I mean, she's claiming it's so that she can, you know, soak in the culture and bring some of it home with her, but they're they're trying to set it up and they do a good job with it with Virgil that that he is acclimating to the culture but Sharon does it through shopping through consumerism i just i just didn't like that at all um i don't know if i necessarily would have liked a b story with her where we saw her and pops going out doing whatever you know i'm not even going to try to make something up it just kind of got on my nerves that the girl goes shopping oh you know <laughs> well i mean they do have her in, I think, two episodes from here, they're going to have her wearing something that she bought right. uh, in one of the stands, which I kind of like. No, so. no, no. That, that's a great bit of continuity, and I'm glad they came back to it. And it's not just she's wearing the outfit. She's got a whole new outlook on life uh, mm-hmm. because of that trip and because of the things she purchased. But it's still just like, I'm going to another country to go shopping. It's like, eh, that just didn't sit right with me. And they took our daughter away? (gasps) Yes. And I think you two know why. You have got to help us find her. We can't keep secrets now. Not if they have her, Jonathan. You know what they'll do. Who are they? And how can Shanice do what she does if she's not a bang baby? Shanice was the end result of a secret project my wife and I worked on for a biotechnology company. We created her in the lab. No way! Seriously? We built every chromosome from scratch. She was designed to have incredible strength and agility. Well, you got that part right. Naturally. The company had plans for Shanice. They wanted to clone her, make more. She was a walking blueprint worth billions to them. There was just one problem. We fell in love with her. She wasn't a lab specimen to us. She was our baby. So we took her and went into hiding. Next up is Shebang. This one, uh, we see a very, very agile young girl in a hero costume going out and doing gymnastics all over the rooftops of Dakota. Uh, when she sees some guys trying to hold down some 
gigantic balloons in gale force winds. Uh, Static and Gear do their best to try and uh, you know keep the balloons from flying off and these guys from getting injured. Uh, but the girl is the one who eventually makes a difference. She saves Static from falling to his death and uh, saves at least one of the guys, maybe two or three, maybe two or three of them. But um, anyway, the next day, Virgil and Richie are talking about the girl at uh, uh, their restaurant that they always hang out at, um, and she called herself uh, Shebang. Um, at this point, I think uh, I believe it's when Frida and Daisy show up with uh, their new friend Shanice, and uh, the girls want a rematch from a bowling game they had uh, some time ago, where the girls got absolutely demolished. Well, it turns out Shanice is quite the bowler, and she has eleven strikes in a row when we when we pan to the bowling alley, and she needs just the last one for the perfect three hundred. When suddenly her parents, Barack Obama and Whitney Houston, show up. <laughs> um, tell he me they did not look like, like Barack Ob- Obama. Nothing like him. Oh, give me a break, my friend. That guy looked exactly <laughs> like Obama. No, I don't, I'm not. I'll maybe give you Whitney Houston, but not Barack Obama. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're wrong, by the way. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so th- her parents aren't too happy seeing her uh, at this place, and they, they, they just seem to be subtly wanting her to fail, and sure enough, she throws a gutter ball in the last frame. So she leaves dejected, and Virgil comments to his friends about her parents seeming like they wanted her to fail, but none of them could understand why her folks would want that. Um, so the next day, Shanice says uh, she isn't trying out for the soccer team like she had planned before because her doctor parents don't want her participating in athletics. Uh, they want her nose just buried in the books all day, basically. Um, suddenly on the restaurant TV, we see Francis von Flamenstein terrorizing a movie theater. So Virgil, Ritchie, and Shanice all leave one after another making up bullshit excuses as Daisy sits there wondering if it was something she said. <laughs> so... They all suit up because if you hadn't figured out that the new kid is Shebang, you've got perception problems. <laughs> and Static and Gear arrive at the theater, and Hot Streak reveals that he's burning the theater down because the movie sucked. <laughs> you know, if I torched a theater every time I watched a shitty movie, I'd be wanted in multiple states for serial <laughs> arson. And uh, you know this better than anybody, Mike. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, F-Stop knocks Richie and Static, uh, or Static and Gear away, and... Uh, Shebang arrives and says something that really needed to be said like 25 episodes ago. You need to pull your pants up. Yeah. So she proceeds to grab him by his pants, wedgie him, and hurl him into the fountain. Um, and when the media arrives, though, she flippy does away, but uh, leaves a glove behind that this guy with sunglasses picks up. Um, so she returns home, and her parents discover her in her costume, and they demand that she stop the superhero thing. Well, she doesn't take too kindly to this, so she flips back out the window and away and uh static ends up confronting her on a rooftop and she says she's going to retire from superheroing because her parents don't want her doing it but she then reveals that she isn't a bang baby um now when static asks her what she actually is the dude from earlier with the sunglasses shows up and gasses them and kidnaps shebang uh later static and gear go to shanice's house because you know before static lost consciousness he saw the guy take off her mask and it was shanice so they go to her house and they ask her parents, uh, you know, why these people want her and wh- how she can do the things she does. She can flip all over the place. She can jump up, like leap tall buildings in a single bound, the whole nine nine yards with the increased strength and agility stuff. Um, well, it turns out that she was a biological test tube baby science project, basically, uh, 
and she was created by her parents. She wasn't uh, an, a, a real a real child in the strictest sense. Um, she was designed to have increased strength and agility, but this corporation wanted to clone her and make billions and billions of dollars off her. But her, you know, quote unquote, parents loved her though, and they didn't want that to happen, so they went into hiding. Uh, it's at this point that uh, Gear detects a high surveillance vehicle heading towards the house, so they ambush the two guys that are trying to come in to kidnap Shanice's quote unquote parents. And then they use the van to track down the head guy with the sunglasses, and he has Shanice trapped on an airplane that's taking off, but Static manages to get aboard and rescue her. Uh, day is saved, and back on land, uh, Shanice says that she has to leave because she's going back, or uh, she's going into protective custody, and they say their heartfelt goodbyes. Thoughts? I thought this was another good episode. Damn right. I like the little streak run here. I gotta tell you, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those episodes where it's very clear who the new superhero is the second they introduce the new girl. Uh, before that, there was a little mystery. I thought it might have actually been Virgil's sister. I thought it could have been, um, I don't know, maybe some other character that we had met before that I can't Daisy. think of right now. Maybe Daisy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then when they introduce Shanice, I'm like, okay, it's Shanice, you know, no, no big surprise there. Um, but I like what they set up here, that she's, you know, the meek, quiet girl, but she shows these little hints of athleticism, such as the bowling, and then the stuff with her parents create a further mystery. Like, yeah, why would any parent want their kid to throw a game? That doesn't make sense, you know? And, you know, so it kind of gets Virgil thinking, and so he's solving his own mystery while we're trying to figure it out ourselves. And then when we get the truth, I thought it was really cool that she wasn't a bang baby. My first inclination is maybe she was a robot or some sort of cyborg, um, just because I like robots and or cyborgs. Um, but I like <laughs> the fact that she was just a government experiment that, or not a government experiment, just, just an experiment uh, that created a, a superhuman and, uh, you know, so she had to be on the run because of it. Um, I know we already had the Zeta Project, which was very much that concept. But after this one episode, I like the Shanice uh, Shebang character so much, I wouldn't mind seeing her get a little series of her own. Be it a comic book series or, you know, a cartoon series. Just her having to be on the run from whoever these people are that are tracking her down. And maybe she's just not on the run from the corporation, but also from the government too, because really if the government gets their hands on her, they're going to want to use her as a weapon too. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she can't win. She can never stop. Um, I have appearances by gear and static and other heroes in the DCAU. Um, I, I really think that would have been a great spinoff. Um, I understand why they didn't do it. They wanted to get back to the core DCAU with the Justice League and whatnot. But I think the character had a ton of potential. I really did. She was a strong character. And I know she comes back at least once, so that's got me hyped. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I didn't. I was One of my notes was, I hope we get to see her again, because she was such a great character. Mm-hmm. And she, she really was just a female version of Virgil. She's, right. she's really kind of, you know, repressed as a, in her regular old uh, secret identity of Shanice. But, you know, as a superhero, she's all like gung-ho and, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna kick your ass and I'm cool and all this other yeah. stuff. Kind of like, like static. Yeah. So very much a parallel of each other. And I can't tell you how pleasant it is to know that 
this young hero, that being Static, has a partner who is actually worth a damn, unlike a certain other young hero we discussed <laughs> not too terribly long ago. You know, he's got backpack is now, I mean, he can detect the high surveillance vehicle. Yeah. Because that's how, that's how he knows that they're about to come and storm their house. So I like that, you know, <laughs> we're going to get some more uses for backpack. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's refreshing because uh, she sh- who shall not be named uh, <laughs> didn't do anything worth a damn. And, and here, Richie is doing more and more great stuff every episode. Right, yeah. I will say, though, in regards to Shebang's uh, abilities, at first I just thought she was super agile. But then yeah, that's what she, I thought, too. Right, but then when she left the scene after, uh, when, the, when the news crews were pulling up, she literally jumped at least a ten, the, the height of a 10-story building. Mm-hmm. At least. I'm not going to go back and count the windows, but I know there were at least 10 floors on that building. And I was like, uh, okay, I didn't know she could quite do that, but I'll go with it. Because <laughs> before that, <laughs> yeah, she's I mean, just At the beginning of the episode, I think she's just some crazy girl in a, in a, you know, a cape and a weird mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like, okay, she's, she's a little extra agile. You know, nothing nothing out of... Oh, it's a superhero ca- cartoon, so it is a little weird to say out of the ordinary. But, you know, it just didn't seem like she could do that. <laughs> but again, I'm not going to hold it against the episode. It's just one of those things where I had to pause for a second and go, nah, I'll roll with it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they gave her superpowers in a lab, so... Yeah, yeah. So, so, so why not have her do uh, some crazy stuff? Uh, but, but speaking of uh, heroes and their powers here... At the end of this episode, I loved Virgil pushing himself as he was chasing that plane down. Oh, yeah. Where he is like, he's he and Richie, they cannot catch up to it. And Virgil's like, I'm gonna. And he starts going faster. And he's still, he's catching up, but he's still not going to catch it. And he pushes himself even harder. I mean, he's going so fast that even Richie's rocket boots uh, can't keep up with it. You know, and I love the fact that, that he was going to do everything he could. To save this girl, because you have to imagine how fast that plane's going at that point. So now you know how fast Virgil can fly when he really tries. And again, yeah. just showing the growth of the character and his powers. Oh, love it! <laughs> Indeed. Um, and uh, another question about Richie here. Uh, Richie pretty much reveals that he does have interest in women. Because he... Yes. Yeah, he, yeah, so, I mean, do... I mean, do we classify him as bisexual? I'm just, I'm not trying to be a, a you know, perverted here. I'm really not. No, no, no. Um, I think it, it could go one of two ways. And that is not meant to be a pun on what I'm about to say. He's either bisexual, yes, or it's that he's hiding the fact that he's homosexual by pretending that he liked the kiss. Um, I'd go with bi. Because I'm still telling you, I mean, I went back and I watched those uh, those images in his head when uh, the the psychic chick from the Brain Puppets episode got in his got in his brain. And I'm telling you, I'm going to use the word again. Those were romanticized images of him and Virgil, and then Static uh, in that last shot when he took off his mask. That to me was a clear sign that the character is supposed to be gay. But here you're right; he's it's showing that he is liking a girl. So yeah, he's he's bisexual. All right, we'll go with that. Now, during your synopsis of the episode, you mentioned the trashing of the theater, okay? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I completely agree with Flamebird trashing that theater. 
because <laughs> here's the thing. I thought that was really funny because it if, was. if you notice, he, he wasn't just trashing a theater that was showing a crappy movie. He was trashing a theater that was showing a crappy sequel to a sci-fi epic. I mean, that was a total shot at the prequels because he even said episode nine. Of course, you know, we haven't gotten up to episode nine, but episode two was out at that point. Had come out like the year before, I think. Mm-hmm. This was out in 2003, and episode two, I think, was 2002. So that's what that was about. And his reaction was like, but it sucks. I'm giving it two thumbs down. Just gets the fireball and all that. <laughs> that was so good. I was actually like, I agree with him. I absolutely agree with him. But in regards to that scene, I was a little confused. Because after he stopped, news vans pull up and they're all like hey what's going on who's this new superhero that you know is she your guy's partner but they showed pyro on the tv trashing the theater so there was already a news van there yeah like for one why was the news van there to begin with to show him on the tv but then all these other ones pull up i I don't know i I just i just didn't get what was going on there but you know again those, those are just sort of like minor little things you know, or a minor little thing, because I actually agreed with the trashing of the theater. <laughs> I, oh, I got it. Seriously, I'm I'm right there with you. I love the the little conversation that uh, Hot Streak and Static have there. It's yeah. just it's it's very natural. It's yeah. like they're it's like they're buddies there right, for all exactly. seven or eight seconds. It's like, dude, but this movie sucks. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, I know, but you can't trash the theater. <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah. Um. I'm going to bring up something now that I was going to save for later because it involves the scene we're talking about. Um, when the reporters show up, they say to Static, Richie, and uh, Shebang, you know, are you guys a team now? And who is this new superhero? You know, at this point, of course, uh, Shebang has fled or is in the process of fleeing. Um, and, but in a later episode... One of the, the the leader of the SWAT team asks who Gear is, so that tells me that Gear hasn't gotten a lot of publicity since he started teaming up with Static, and or Static hasn't introduced him to his allies in the police force. Hmm. So then, why didn't the reporters go, "Hey, who's this new girl? Hey, who's this new guy in green too?" You yeah. know what I'm saying? That was that was a little weird to me that. Later on, after Richie's already been on TV as gear, this cop's like, who's this guy? You, you think the cop would know because, I don't know, I just think that a, that a cop, especially someone on the SWAT team, would make it his business to know who, one, the superheroes were, but two, to watch, you know, surveillance clips of bang babies wrecking shit in town so he knows how to bring them down at a later date. So, that again, you know, maybe that's a nitpick. I'm not taking points off. It's just one of those things that just didn't make sense in my brain. Mm-hmm. And we kind of touched on this earlier. When it comes to cliches and super uh, superhero stories that I can't stand, uh-huh. the new hero slash villain in town is the new kid in school slash town is way, way up on my list. Yeah. And yeah. I know there's there's only so many ways you can introduce somebody like that, but it's still, it's just so tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Along those same lines, what's also tired is the established hero is jealous slash annoyed with the new hero. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if the new hero is fucking up and is causing problems for the established hero that he or she then has to clean up. Then I get it. You don't ever want to clean up someone else's mess, especially someone who thinks they're hot shit. 
But she's not screwing up. As you said, she saved lives, including Virgil's. So the fact that he's getting all miffed with her, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. He, he's been around maybe a year in Dakota. Maybe a year and a half we'll give him. I still say a year, though. So it's not like he's some big hotshot like Batman or Superman who maybe has the right to be annoyed when a new hero shows up in their towns. But Virgil, I, I, I didn't like seeing that side of him. I will say it's natural, that, that kind of jealousy, because she is showing him up, but I still wasn't crazy about it. No, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You'd think he'd be a little grateful for her saving his life and all. Right, because even Richie says, hey, at least she's on our side. I mean, because at that point, they still think she's a bang baby. She even says she's a bang baby. She lies early on. So, you know, to have another bang baby that's a hero, like... <laughs> I'm not a religious man, but I'd get on my knees and thank God for it. I gotta tell you. Yeah, considering the ratio here is way, way <laughs> tilted towards the villains. Yeah, I mean, think about how long it took R Richie to pop up as a bang baby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, another one. Yes, thank you. Come here, please. Again, uh, with this episode, and this gets back to uh, my newfound uh, fandom, I guess not fandom, a uh, fanboyism, I would say, of the Shebang character. Um, when it looked like she, Static, and Richie were talking about forming a little team there, with, of course, Static being like, what, huh? Not quite wanting it. Um, it got me really jonesing to see them team up a lot, if not turn this into a team cartoon. I was a little sad when, at the end, she had to go on the run. Uh, and go into hiding, I should say. Um, because I think this would have been a great... Uh, they had a really good dynamic. And a, a little, a little trio. You don't, you don't see superhero trios all that often. You get fours, fives, you get duos, but trios you don't Massive see. Teams. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, that that just would have been cool. I really have to say that. So, you know, I am glad to know that she comes back. I'm just again sad that it's not, you know, in, in a full time capacity. Yeah, and I gotta say, um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of pop music, but I really loved her theme that they gave her. Um, I don't know who was singing, I, I, who, what what female singer that was, but I thought it was really good. I thought it fit her character, and it, it just seemed really natural. So I thought it added to her a lot. It didn't annoy me, but I wasn't crazy about it. Um, but, of course, you all know how I feel about the music in Static <laughs> in general. <laughs> so really, the, you saying that is like, hey, this is awesome. <laughs> it's close, Yeah. <laughs> to be him rich there's no other explanation okay then i think it's time for static and gear to bring him in uh, 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 no we need proof we have to definitely link marcus to all those attacks you know tamra said marcus had a bad temper maybe that's the key he was mad at officer packard for arresting him he was mad at the auto show for firing him he was mad at tamra having a new boyfriend there's your formula Marcus plus mad equals monster. If you want to make him do the old presto changeo, you gotta get him angry. Well, that won't be hard for me. Sharon always says when it comes to irritating people, I'm the best there is. Next up, we have the usual suspect. In this one, uh, Virgil quite literally bumps into uh, this massive, massive fellow uh, with a chip on his shoulder and, you know, he's got this chip on his shoulder because, if I remember correctly, he's just gotten back from Juvie, right? Yep. And uh, his name is Marcus, and, uh, you know, as all the bullies do, they tell 
Virgil to stay the hell out of his way, and Virgil's like, I could take him, I could take him. And Richie's like, yeah, you could, as static, but you gotta lay low, so as Virgil, you have to take your beating like a man and just do nothing about it. While this is going on, uh, Sharon, uh, she decides to start uh, taking uh, greater responsibility for herself, being more of an independent woman, and uh, standing up for herself, really, because uh, Virgil, he wants breakfast, and she's like, look, you rag on my cooking skills all the time, and because of that, screw you, I'm not making breakfast for you anymore. Uh, but what she also does is she becomes a uh, counselor at the community center that her father runs. Um, and coincidentally, she is Marcus's uh, counselor. And she tells him, um, well, he's sitting there lamenting that maybe all life is going to give him is the opportunity to be a thug. And she tells him, she's like, fine, fine, then be that way. And he's like, you're supposed to tell me not to be that way. And she's like, well, if you're going to give in, screw you. You know, I don't want you to be that way, but seriously, you know, take responsibility for yourself. So uh, that's going on, and uh, uh, like at, 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 and during some some random night, uh, these two cops are uh, investigating a break-in at a warehouse, and what they discover is this uh, this Hulk-like creature. It's again just this massive beast, much larger larger than even uh, Marcus is, and uh, he doesn't steal anything this monster, but he does beat up the cop. Now, Richie, who's been putting together this this database that isn't quite up to, like, the Batcave standards, or the Batcomputer standards, but is still a very impressive system, uh, knows that the cop that was beaten up was uh, the guy who had arrested Marcus uh, sometime back. Um, the next time we uh, see the monster, he's trashing an auto show. Static and Gear, they go in to stop him, and uh, the only thing that actually stops this monster is when it bumps into a car and an alarm goes off, uh, revealing again, and I realize I didn't mention this, I'll get back to it, that it has sensitive ears. Uh, at the warehouse, the only thing that stopped it there was that the other cop, the one who didn't get beaten up, had pulled the fire alarm uh, to basically call for backup, and uh, the, the ringing of the bells uh, is what sent the monster running. After they try stopping the monster at the auto show, it's able to run away, and Richie figures out that that Marcus had a connection to that uh, either that auto show or that convention center or something, and that he had a job there, but he got fired for having a bad attitude. So it's it's shaping up to look like he's trying to get revenge on uh, all these people who wronged him. Next, we meet uh, Marcus's ex girlfriend by the name of Tamra. And uh, Virgil's trying to talk to her. You know, he's just like, what's, what's going on with this guy? And she says, ever since that explosion at the docks, he's just had this really shitty attitude. And, uh, yeah, we broke up and I'm seeing this other guy. So she gets in the car of this new boyfriend of hers, and he's got the music blasting. And she's like, turn that down. You know music hurts my ears. If you missed the clue... <laughs> that she's the monster and Marcus isn't? Uh, what was it you said earlier, James, about perception? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so in your face. But anyways, the car drives off. This this new boyfriend of Tamara's drops her off, and uh, Static is following the car. Uh, we don't know this yet, but he is. Um, and the monster totally trashes the car, and Static's like, okay, it just absolutely has to be. Marcus, because now he's gone after his ex-girlfriend's current boyfriend. 
Um, so they start thinking that maybe he's like the Hulk, that you just have to get him so pissed that he's going to turn into this beast. So Static, excuse me, Virgil starts instigating a fight with Marcus. Uh, he ends up chasing him into a park where there's like a merry-go-round and stuff. And uh, Virgil's hiding underneath a bridge in a little creek. And uh, he's on the shock box with uh, Richie. And he's like, dude, how pissed do I got to get this guy? Like, nothing seems to be happening. Um, and it's at that point that they figure out, oh, my God, Marcus isn't the monster. Tamara is. And she's trying to frame him by going after all these all, all, all these people that supposedly wronged him. And uh, so at that point, she shows up in her monster form at the park. Uh, Virgil's trying to fight her as static. Uh, Marcus ends up having a, a chat with her, like, why are you doing this to me? She explains her motivations. And uh, static ends up pinning her against this uh, Ferris wheel. And uh, he turns it on to so the music plays, and he just revs it up. So it's just blaring. Uh, and uh, she ends up passing out from it. She turns back into her human form. And uh, at the end of the day, one of the things that she had said while she was in her monster form that she had said to Marcus was, you don't know what it's like to have a monster inside of you. And uh, after she's passed out, um, what do you call it? Uh, Sharon is there. And uh, he he tells her, he's like, I do know what it's like to have a monster inside of me. And she's like, yeah, but you know how to control yours. And uh, Virgil, being a, being you know a good guy, walks up to Marcus and he says, you know what? I'm really sorry that I baited you like that. That, that I called you those names, and I hope we can uh, be friends from here. And they shake hands, and that's the end of the episode. So what were you thinking? What a pointless episode. Oh, really? You think so? Yeah. I mean, this this episode, I mean, it wasn't terrible or mm-hmm. anything, but it, it just added almost nothing to to the overall static mythos, I guess. Okay. I mean, we have Richie and his database. That's fine. And we have Sharon becoming a counselor. That's That's fine, but... Other than that, this episode wasn't very deep at all. Um, you know, I, this episode kept up another DCAU trend. If they absolutely beat you over the head with the fact that this person must be the villain, <laughs> then that person will absolutely never be the villain. <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, as soon as the chick said, you know my ears are sensitive, I knew she was the monster. Right, Period. exactly. Right there. Yeah. Um, and this this chick is one of the worst villains they have ever come up with for this show. I. Why was she pissed off at Marcus again? I mean, she said that she went down to the dock to look for him after he broke up with her. Right. Uh, he didn't force her to go to the dock. He wasn't there. That's why he's not a bang baby. Right. She went there by herself. It was her fucking fault. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then she trashes her boyfriend's car. I mean, and it was almost as if, because I, based on her dialogue, it was almost as if we were supposed to, in some minute way, feel sorry for her. No, <laughs> not at all. Terrible, terrible villain. <laughs> she is, she is. I mean, I will say that this is a very straightforward episode. It's not deep. There's no social commentary. There's no trying to connect with the uh, young uh, black viewers. There's none of that. It's just, you know, superhero fights a monster, discovers that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, end of the story. That's it. But at the same time, I... I, I I could watch this one again. I think it's a little better than average. Um, I liked some of the lines in here, like when Static or Virgil first bumped into Marcus. He says, uh, Yo, Godzilla, watch out. Do I look like Tokyo to you? 
I'm like, that's a really good line. But no, I, I see where you're coming from. It doesn't add anything, but I didn't find it boring. Yeah, I disagree. I, this is not one I would throw in the DVD player and watch again. I'm not saying I would do that, but I'm saying this is one of those, I wouldn't change the channel if it was on while I was doing the laundry. That, that kind of episodes where I'm in and out of the room and it, it's on in the, it's, it's on in the background and maybe I'll stop to, to watch a little of it. It's not just background noise, but I stand there for a minute and be like, oh, I remember that scene and just sort of leave it at that. I did like at the beginning of the episode, like you were saying how Sharon uh, isn't going to cook for Virgil again. I, she has a great point there. If Virgil disses her food so much, why should she make it for him? Right, exactly. It's, it's great. That was great. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I like that they didn't make it. I'm... Why am I the woman making food for two men? I'm glad they didn't go that route. You know what oh, I'm saying? God. I mean, there's there's God. nothing wrong with, with having that, that belief system. I'm not knocking that belief system. I'm just saying that's kind of cliched, and I'm glad they didn't go that route. Um, instead, it was just like, look, you diss me, make your own goddamn breakfast then. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's just standing up for herself. She's pushing back against the little brother who's always pushing against her. Not that she doesn't push back as is. She 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 takes as well as she gives, or vice versa, however that statement goes. But she's she's pushing a little harder in this instance, and uh, that, that was good, I thought, yeah. What else were you thinking here? I mean, why did you, why did you kind of kind of dig this episode? From what I'm gathering, I, I, I really can't say. I'd almost have to watch it again <laughs> to see exactly what it was that I thought made this one better than average. I think out of the batch we're looking at today, it's the weakest, very much so. Um, my score will represent that, but again, I, I still think it it like I said, it didn't bore me. I, I think that is like the worst thing any form of supposed entertainment can do is bore you. And uh yeah, this 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 didn't. Um you know, I didn't think the message because there's several messages in this episode. You know, there's the don't judge a book by its cover message. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that was crammed down our throats. Um there's the message to young people, not just young men, but young people about anger issues. And, you know, you have to find constructive ways to deal with them. You can't be the bully. You can't go and wreck someone's shit. You shouldn't go out for revenge. You know, you have to find an outlet for those feelings. And it's okay to have those feelings, but you have to find a constructive way to deal with them. There was that message, too, and I thought that was dealt with pretty well. Um, this show generally does a good job when it comes to getting messages across. I really think the only stumbling block they've had so far was the Richie drug superpower episode. Though I, I do want to say something here. I'm really questioning how strong those new zap caps are with the cables in them. Because Static broke out of one right when we saw it. Uh, Shortstop, or whatever his name is, broke out of one in the previous episode. <laughs> And now in this one, the monster broke out of it. I understand the monster breaking out of it because it's a monster. Uh, but, like, seriously, how, how, these, okay, they, they held down Kangor and Shiv. Like, pff, big deal, you know? But when it comes yeah. to anybody with some really formidable powers, they're not doing their job at all. Well, I'm going to attempt to defend this because when, uh, uh, shortstop, um, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, he when he breaks out, he like ramps his powers up to like the max, and right. so much so that it like flings Static and Richie up against a wall, right? S- several yards away. So 
that one I'm going to give a pass on just okay. because of how ridiculously powerful uh, Hot Stop Streak <laughs> went went to there. <laughs> um, and did you catch in this episode, and I think the next one, there were references to Little Romeo? Yeah. I think if I noticed correctly in the credits, Little Romeo does the theme for this show. Yeah, it's either him or Little Bow Wow. I can't remember. I, I think in the credits it said Little Romeo, so that probably explains the back-to-back references. So. But whatever, I, I don't mind that because, I mean, I mind it on one hand because it's not a reference that necessarily holds up. You know, in five years' time, people are going to be like, who the fuck is Little Romeo? You know? But in the moment, it was relevant, and it appealed to the audience that was watching it, so, you know, whatever. I can, I can kind of shrug it off. This is weird, bro. The computer's firewalls are expanding. It's as if a virus is taking over and locking everybody else out. Can you isolate it? Man, it's slippery. But I think I got it. The League files have it id The virus is called... Brainiac? That's the face. What's he doing in their system? Correction. My system. I've been growing exponentially ever since I sent the Justice League away. What? I summoned them away with a false distress call. When I dispose of you two, the last human infestation will be gone from the Watchtower. Then I will turn it into my new body and use it to assimilate the planet Earth. Assimilate the Earth? First, I will collect all of the Earth's knowledge, and then I will destroy it. And lastly up today is the two-parter called A League of Their Own. Part one starts uh, aboard the Justice League Watchtower, where Batman and Hawkgirl are discussing the last remaining piece of Brainiac that they know of, which is currently in a stasis field powered by the Watchtower. Well, suddenly this massive cosmic anomaly uh, flies by, I guess, and drains the Watchtower of all of its electrical power, and it causes it to start plummeting towards the Earth. And they start mulling their options, but since Green Lantern is there, or isn't there, they, he can't power the Watchtower back up. So Batman says, uh, there is one person who can save the Watchtower if they can get to him in time. And if you're watching the same show as us, you probably know who that is. Um so they go down to Dakota, uh, or we pan down to, to Dakota in the show, and Static and Gear are fighting uh, Flame Face Shortstop and the crew. And the Justice League shows up, and they just absolutely humiliate these little hooligans. And uh, they tell Static that they need his help, and Gear begs to go along. So Batman hesitantly agrees, and they all head into the sky. So Static's job is to recharge the power station inside the Watchtower until Green Lantern arrives. Well, he does just that, and after GL arrives, a distress call is received from some distant planet, which is apparently uh, going to take the entire League to combat. Uh, I think it's some kind of asteroid uh, shower colliding with the planet or something. Um, But this means that Gear and Static are going to be left alone on the Watchtower to make sure nothing goes wrong. After the League leaves, uh, Gear and Static start partying and raiding the fridge, doing stuff that teenagers would. Um... When suddenly the watchtower seems to come alive, um, an airlock gets opened up in an attempt to uh, just suck the heroes out into the netherness of space. Netherness? Is that even a word? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, after they manage to get it shut with uh, the help of Backpack, and when they examine the computers later, it turns out that Brainiac has escaped the powered-down stasis field and is in control of most of the watchtower's systems. 
He uh, then reveals to them what we already know, that he will collect all of Earth's information and destroy it, so on and so forth. Uh, so Static and Richie, uh, they end up getting chased all over the Watchtower by droids and all manner of other shit. Uh, uh, but uh, Richie somehow gets backpack uh, to get a short message to the Justice League, informing them that the, dis- uh, the distress call was a fake. Uh, Brainiac just sent it to get the League away from the Watchtower. Uh and that Brainiac is now loose on, on in the Watchtower, so they have to contend with uh, some robot with claw arms for several minutes, but they eventually destroy it. And when the League makes it back, Batman contacts the boys and tells them that Static this time has to drain the power from the power core to stop Brainiac. Uh, and uh, while they make their way to the core, the League pr- uh, provides a distraction. Uh, when they get to the core, Brainiac tries to stop the boys, but Gear uses backpack again. This time he overloads Brainiac's CPU with uh, billions of music downloads simultaneously. And, yeah, I didn't make that up. That, combined with Static's powers, ends up stopping Brainiac. Uh, Back on Earth, uh, Justice League thanks the boys for their great work, uh, and they all get a group photo together at the behest of gear. Um, Later that night at the hideout, uh, the gas station hideout, Virgil uh, heads home for dinner. But when he leaves, Richie shuts Backpack down, but it powers itself back on and attacks Richie and it's revealed that Brainiac has taken control of Backpack and this is where the episode ends. The second episode it opens up with uh, a Brainiac controlled Richie sleeping late for apparently the umpteenth time lately. This, we can assume that this episode takes place at least a week maybe later after the first one. Um, and in the Watchtower Flash notices that the Watchtower's computers have had a lot of files downloaded from them recently and they wonder that the if Brainiac might have escaped somehow, and Green Lantern postulates that it had to be the backpack that uh, Gear had. So Flash goes down to Dakota to investigate, and when he finds Richie, uh, Richie takes him to the hideout, and uh, Brainiac takes control of backpack again and traps the Flash. Um, Static arrives later, finds the place has been utterly trashed from Flash running all over the place trying to get backpack off of him. Um, and at this point, the Justice League shows up uh, in the hideout, and they they tell Static the lowdown that Brainiac has to has to still be free, and so Static calls Richie and Richie, you know, uh, being still being controlled by Brainiac, tells him he's at the steel mill working on a new project. Um, when they get there, Flash greets them and places uh, Brainiac control discs on each of them, uh, which you know controls their minds. So now everybody's under Brainiac's control, but Static's electric. Uh, electrical field short circuits the disc on his chest, and he's instantly freed from the control. So one by one, the Justice League uh, chases him down all over this uh, lot, but he's, he uh, frees all of them from the control. And uh, The Justice League and Static watches Brainiac's mechanical hovering monster ship starts uh, literally, I mean, it flies up and starts deleting things from existence, digitizing them, I think is the word they used. The League, they attempt to infiltrate the ship while Static uh, figures out uh, what Richie... He, he figures out what Richie was trying to tell him earlier while he was under Brainiac's control. He was he was trying to break free of Brainiac's control, and he said just the word control over and over again. So he goes back to the gas station, and he gets Richie's remote control for backpack. Uh, um, while the League contends with the Brainiac clones inside the ship... Um, Static arrives with the control and explains that if he can get close enough to Brainiac, he can shut down Backpack and vicariously Brainiac with it. Um, well, after 
just a minor setback. Static indeed does shut down Brainiac, and Richie is rescued. They end up destroying the ship, uh, and seemingly Brainiac with it, but of course we know that's not true. Um, but back at the hideout, Hawk Girl and Batman make sure that Brainiac is completely deleted from all of Backpack systems, and uh, Green Lantern says that when Static joins the League, he's going to be a, a major handful, to which Static is quite thrilled at such a prospect of joining the Justice League. So the League leaves, and Static and Richie have a fist bump, and that's it. Now, I liked this one, but I'm going to pull the curtain back a little, and I'm going to reveal to our audience that, you know, after James and I got done talking about uh, The Usual Suspect, before we started talking about this one, he sort of seemed a little down on this one. So why is that, James? Um, Can I start with the terrible animation? I, I completely agree with you there. Wow. This is the Justice League design, too. Mm-hmm. These are these aren't bat. This isn't Gotham Knights Batman anymore. This is Justice League Batman. Right. This is the new Justice League characters. This animation was horrible. Mm-hmm. Everybody Just, was way off model. Off characters were off model. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the people characters using their powers looked really really bad. Just really sloppy. It was just bad bad design all around. And what the fuck did they do to Brainiac's voice? Yeah, it's it was still, uh, what's his name, Corey something? Corey, Corey Burton? Yeah, it's still him, but they put like like three or four dozen extra layers of digitizing on top of it. It was terrible. They lowered his pitch like 800 levels. Uh-huh, <laughs> it was uh-huh. like, down here. <laughs> God, it, it was like Macho Man as a robot. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I mean... And I mean, and this is a Brainiac episode. Where the fuck is Superman? Yeah, I can deal with Wonder Woman not being here. Absolutely fine. She's on Themyscira. She's off in space. She's doing something that doesn't matter. But Superman not in a Brainiac story? That 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 made zero sense to me. And here's a major plot hole. The first time the Watchtower had its power drained, it fell out of orbit. The second time, after Static drains it, it stays put. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's quite true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Wait, can I throw one in? Can I throw oh, one in? Go, well, go. And again, remember, I, I like this episode, but this is something I have to point out. Brainiac, who is capable of assimilating world cultures in one fell swoop, can't handle a billion downloads at one time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how that works. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know really Brainiac think about stores. That, right. I know Brainiac stores, you know, his information in those little glowing balls on his ship or whatnot. But still, he has to take that into himself before he puts it into the balls. That, that sounds really weird. But <laughs> that, sounded, that was great. That sounded weird. Um, <laughs> but oh, fuck! I give up. Just what's your next point? <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's so fucking funny. Um, um, okay. What's my next? There's so, I just have so many weird ass notes here. Okay. Um, I'll I'll give another one while you're looking. Why is Richie inside the Brainiac armor? Instead of killing him or assimilating him or whatever the hell it is Brainiac does, he stashes him inside the armor? Was that some in some hope that then the league wouldn't beat him up because an innocent kid was in there? That's my 
only possible explanation. But I he never says that. And furthermore, earlier, and this seemed out of character for a, for Green Lantern and Batman, they both say that, well, Green Lantern says, but I think Batman kind of agrees, that the life of a teenage boy is worth sacrificing to save the entire world. Now, that's very true. Sometimes you have to sacrifice one or a hundred or a thousand people to save so many more. Sometimes it's, you just have to do it. But it just didn't seem right hearing the Justice League actually come out and say it. That bothered me. Uh, I know, but keep in mind that when we get to Justice League, Green Lantern actually says in the second episode with Angel Savage, uh, Maid of Honor, he actually, when they go out into space to s- destroy that railgun, he actually says, you know, or Flash, Flash and Martian Manhunter are like, look, there's going to be hostages on board that space station. we got to save them. Lantern's like... Uh, they're astronauts and military. They knew the risks. But see, th- okay, right, astronauts and military, they knew the risks. A little boy? I mean, Richie's, what, 15? Sure, he's 16, a, I think. Sure, he's a superhero. He's out there having fun. He knows he could get hurt. But at the end of the day, he really just thinks he's having fun. You know, I, I think there's a big difference between a-, a soldier knowing the risks and a teen superhero knowing the risks. So I see the point you're getting at. I just, I just still can't go with it. Uh, I was just... I, I'm not saying I agree with it at all. Oh, okay. Throwing throwing it out there because I I do, do I, I think that's not something, especially considering how this was running concurrently with Justice League mm-hmm. as we as we know now. That it it, do, it does it seems very out of character, and especially for Batman, even more so than Green Lantern, who is military. He's a Marine, right. or an ex-Marine. But how the hell did Batman throw a batarang in space? Why couldn't he throw a batarang in space? Wouldn't, after he threw it, it would just kind of float away? <laughs> I don't think, I mean, even with his, him throwing it, it would, uh, it, there's no gravity there. I mean, it just seems like it's just going to kind of float off somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know the physics of that, but we need someone who understands physics better than I to uh, comment about that, because I was willing to buy that. Okay, well, well, here's another animation note. When Jean phases through the wall of the watchtower... He has his spacesuit on. When he gets inside, it's gone. I'm assuming when he started phasing, it just he phased out of the suit. You know, because keep in mind his the 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 cape and the underwear he wears that's that's not cloth. That's him. Yeah. I mean, we see that in his in his alien form, but he's actually wearing a suit. So I think he phased out of it. My question is, I didn't think John needed a spacesuit to be in space to be in the vacuum. No. I know, because Mars doesn't have an atmosphere that I don't think it does. Uh, so, I mean, what, he shouldn't need to a uh, special suit like that. Yeah, and I thought we had seen other episodes with him in space without a special suit. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought we had. I thought we had, too. Going all the way to the very end where the the League tells Stag that he can't go along. Uh, you know, what the fuck? As if, first off, as if he's going to listen to that. Right. He's going to... He can fly. <laughs> he's just going to, after they leave, he's just going to head on up behind them. They can't stop him. Mm-hmm. And But the reason for leaving him behind is absolutely absurd. They say, you're you're too close to this. It's pretty much every mission the League goes on is personal in some regard. <laughs> true, like, true. Fuck, fuck. Look at how many times they have to fight Darkseid. Right. I mean, are they going to leave Superman behind? Because <laughs> it's too personal? Yeah, That's what happened here. They left Superman behind because they knew Brainiac would pop up. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I I agree with that. That felt very weak 
to me. Um, especially after Virgil held his own against Brainiac in the Watchtower. And he saved all of the League members from his control. Yeah, so that very much did not make sense. You know, had Batman turned around and just said, it's too dangerous, okay, maybe. If he had said, it's a suicide mission, okay. You know, basically saying that he didn't want to put a youngster in harm, even though they had already said that they would be willing to sacrifice gear, then I would potentially buy it. But the the you're too close to this, no, does not work for me. How about you can't go after the Joker then, Batman? You know? As, as yeah. you said, James, Superman, you can't go fight Darkseid. No, no, it doesn't work. Oh, can I say it? Say whatever you want. Robot alert. Oh my god, I forgot about robot alert. Yes. I had to bring it back. Just for one episode. <laughs> wow, I forgot about that. Wow, awesome. <laughs> wow. I'm all, I'm all glowing. I'm like, ooh, the robot alert. Um, speaking of that, something I noticed was that uh, the robot that they're fighting on the space station is in the opening credits. Does this thing come back? The claw robot? It's in the opening credits. Wow, I didn't pick that up at all. <laughs> at least for this episode it is. Yeah. That that was a bit of a shock to me, because I'm like, really? A, what I assume is a one-off Brainiac droid? Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of the droids, why does a cleaning droid have a buzzsaw hand? Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, <laughs> Brainiac modified it? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. I'm trying to justify it. I don't know. Um, here's kind of an off-the-wall question I have. When Brainiac was being, you know, overloaded by all those downloads um i swear to god i'm not making this up in his rambling when he's like oh i swear to god it sounded like brainiac said lay the fuck down yeah he said i'll lay the funk down because music you know he's talking he's getting confused by the music but it sounded yeah it sounded bad i'm really surprised that the censors didn't go we know what he said, but parents who are walking through the room and are only kind of paying attention are going to do a double take and go, yeah, but what? You know, so, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who caught that because I wasn't looking for anything. Oh, he cursed, you know, or anything like that. It, but it's there. Yeah. So there. Okay, I've I've ranted for quite a while here. <laughs> I, you, know, I, you said you liked this episode, so what what did you like? Um, I liked the fact that Static saved the League, uh, went toe-to-toe with Brainiac, um, that not only did he save the League, he found various ways to actually not beat them when they were under Brainiac's control, but get the better of them, at least for a moment, so he could shock them. The only one he didn't do that with was Green Lantern, and that makes a, a good bit of sense because think of the weapon he has on his finger. You know, the only reason he got beat is because Shaira hit him in the head with her mace. <laughs> Which was awesome. And then I she's will just, give that. They're like, is he going to be okay? And she's just like, no, oh, it was just a tap. You know, I was like, oh, I know what they're into. Huh? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's a little suspect. Their reasoning for getting static was like, oh, he can power the station. I mean, the Flash could have done it. He even volunteers. He's like, I can run around the generator and create static electricity. And Batman or someone's like, no, you might damage the core. Like, really? I don't quite buy that. So maybe that felt a little forced, but 
you know, okay, so they get uh, Virgil and Richie on the station, and then they have to go off-world. It didn't feel... It didn't feel that out there for them to leave the kids on the station. It was sort of... It felt like a little reward. You know, like, we're not going to take you on this mission, but here's this little reward. You can hang out on the station, watch some TV, eat some pizza. We'll be back in, in, in a couple hours, you know, and then we'll take you home. And then, yeah, I mean... They, they've consistently shown that Static can take down some pretty big dudes. And this was the biggest threat he's ever had to face. And uh, he did it. And I, I liked it. You know, he didn't do it alone. He, he had a lot of help. But he was pretty much the the one that ultimately did do it. You know? I, I don't disagree with you there. I think they... the I'm trying to think of the wrestling term uh, where you the push they gave him here, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just made him, it just vaulted him into new levels of awesome. Yeah, I mean... The hero scale. Exactly. So this way, by the end of the episode, when Green Lantern says, when, not if, but when you join the League, you buy that. You go, yeah, Static's going to be in the motherfucking Justice League someday. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that, that was really cool. I thought that the distress call that uh, Richie sends out to the League when he's trying to tell them that... Uh, the distress call that they're out on is a ruse by Brainiac is very frightening because we can't see what's happening off screen, obviously. And Richie's like, static, static. And then it just Look out, cuts man. out. Yeah. I mean, I really kind of got chills when I was watching that because it reminds you that they're just little kids. They really are. You know, 15, 16 year olds, they're, they're not seasoned heroes and they're going up against Brainiac, the destroyer of worlds, someone who takes it to Superman. That, that really does scare you, and you, you, you sense that even the League is frightened. They're like, oh, God, what did we do? We thought these kids were yeah. safe. I mean, just look at the look on Batman's face. He's like, oh. mm-hmm. and you don't, you know, you know Batman doesn't have that look very often. Yeah, I, I, I thought the cliffhanger to the first part was uh, really strong, uh, with, with Richie being taken down and the Brainiac, uh, uh, in, you know, the backpack, yeah, Brainiac, the backpack infected Brainiac? No, the Brainiac infected backpack. Oh, whatever. The backpack yeah, that has yeah. Brainiac in it. However, that would, wording would work. Um, just looking at him and being like, "Did you think this was over?" or whatever he says, like, "Ooh, scary." That was a blood curdling scream that Richie let out to end the episode. Yeah, because you don't know what's happening. And then you know, next time we see Richie, okay, I'll admit it's a little weird that you know Brainiac's controlling a human, but he's got some control disc or something. But at the very least, it's set up what would happen to Lex Luthor at the end of Justice League Unlimited. So I thought that was cool that they started it here, whether they intended to or not. Um, There's a scene where Richie has the flash down and out, and he's got his hoodie up, and the way the hoodie is uh, shaped around his head, it's very much like that neck piece that Brainiac has that comes up to his cheeks, the way it kind of angles out, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I thought that was a good little piece of design work there. Okay, I'll admit, you know, this isn't a very deep story, but at the end of the day, it is neat seeing the Justice League, and it's just cool seeing Static being almost a junior member at this point. That's what that's where my enjoyment with this episode uh, comes from. Um, oh, 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 I gotta throw one more thing in there. Hello, ladies! When the Flash is looking for Richie, and he runs back to the two chicks hanging out, he's like, just starts flirting with them. That's pure Flash. I love the Flash. <laughs> I love Batman. He's the one on the left. Yeah. <laughs> Just completely patronizing the Flash. <laughs> yeah, it really was good. <laughs> oh, that was priceless. 
But uh, what do you call it? I, I have to throw this out there. And this is a negative against the episode. In the beginning, Static and Gear are facing off against, uh, what's his name, Carmadillo. Carmadillo, Poof, Hot Streak, Flame Boy, um, and, and uh, what was his face, Onyx. Right. And they're acting like this is the toughest group that they've ever faced. Really? The Armadillo guy? Poof and Onyx? No! No! <laughs> yeah, okay, what's-his-face is is pretty intense. You know, he, he takes the static all the time. You know, he's not Ebon level, but he's still got firepowers, and static doesn't always know how to counter them. He's like so, static's number two villain. Yeah, pretty much so. He's definitely a number two. But when it comes to them as a team, I just don't see them being this great threat that they were trying to pretend that they were. Really couldn't buy that. Um, so when the League showed up and took them down, I was like, oh, it's cool that the League took them down. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, Static would have done it in 30 seconds anyways. I'd like to know how that flame retardant thing that Batman threw at uh, shortstop made him pass out. I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, was there ether in it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past Batman to do that, but yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying. I, I mean, maybe, so. I mean, you know, Batman goes up against, uh, what's his name, Firebug or... Uh, Firefly. Firefly, yeah. Maybe he does have some sort of knockout gas in there, I don't know. Wait, although I think ether is flammable, if I'm not mistaken, so maybe he oh. wouldn't have ether in there. <laughs> that would just make things a lot worse. That's a good point. I, I would also like to point out that I thought earlier, much earlier, you mentioned that this episode had terrible animation. Um, I really thought the sound effects in this one were overly cartoony. I mean, yeah, when... Probably, they probably were. I was too busy paying attention to the animation. Yeah, though. when Flash was running around, that's not, to my knowledge, that's not how Flash sounds over in the Justice League. Uh, I were, know what you're talking about. It was too high-pitched. Yeah, there were other sound effects that were just way, way off for this show, and that really did bother me. I can deal with mediocre animation, but once you start coupling that with sound effects that don't really seem to be fitting the cartoon or just aren't the right ones, uh, especially when you're you know when you're crossing it over with another show that has its own set of sound effects, then I start going, eh, I don't know about this. Uh, what else do you want to say about this one? You let me have my say of good things. If you want to go back to ranting, please do. No, I don't know if I have any huge other rants, really. I think I just have some more just off-the-cuff notes here. Let's see. This is kind of funny here. If you notice when Flash was racing around putting the discs on the, the leaguers and static, he puts a disc on the chest of everybody except Hot Girl. He slaps a, one on her back. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's awesome. Oh, that is good. <laughs> Can't have Flash copping a feel under Brainiac's control. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what else I have to say about this one. It, I just, it really seems like, a, in many ways, a disappointment. Based on what you said, I think I will raise it a point from where it was, but not any more than that, because I, I have way too many problems with this one. Okay, well, do you want to get onto our scores then? Sure. Okay, let's see. What are you going to give gear? I'll give that an 8. I'm also going to give that an 8. Uh, static in Africa. I had this at a 6, but... As we talked, I raised it a point, so I'll give it a 7. I'm giving that a 7 as well. Shebang. Back to an 8. Uh, that one's going to get a 7 from me. The Usual Suspect. 
I'm giving this one a four. I still think it was just really pointless. Okay, um, I'm going to give that one a six and a league of their own. I'm going to give this a five. I mean, I was going to grade each episode separately and give a final grade by kind of averaging them out, but I just kind of abandoned that. So I'm probably going to come back to this one, though, but for now it's a five. Okay, and that's going to get a seven from me. For a rookie, you did well, Static. But I can tell you're going to be a handful when you finally join the league. I'm sorry. Did you say when I joined the league? Anything's possible when you're a little older. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss six more episodes of Static Shock. Those being Showtime, Consequences, Romeo in the Mix, Trouble Squared, Toys in the Hood, and The Parent Trap. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. This is going on, uh, what's her name, uh, sh- uh, Sharon, Sharon, fuck, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I really should save all the outtakes of me not getting her name right.